Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been hand-picked from the fields of science, technology, engineering, mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're really like as real people. Usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us, and I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of chemical engineering. Hi. Hi, Shinny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, very, very well, and uh, thank you for having me on Silence. Oh, gosh, it's an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you. I, I don't want to boast about your uh, accomplishments as a woman in STEM because I want to protect your identity, but you really are an extremely impressive human being, and uh, I'd love to know how it all started for you. Uh, like many women engineers, I had a, a, a close a parent uh, or, or a relative who was in engineering, in my case, my father. Mm-hmm. And um, so I sort of uh, followed him around and, you know, watched him tinkering with all sorts of things. And um, and also he did some very amazing projects uh, uh, in terms of, you know, building roads and bridges and airports. And uh, it, I was always fascinated by all that. Uh, coupled with that, I, I was... Um, uh, rather good at science. I enjoyed science and um, mathematics. In fact, um, I was I was quite good at, at advanced mathematics, which uh, uh, was something of an oddity where I grew up. And uh, I, I went to an all-girls school, and in fact, there was no one to teach me uh, mathematics. So my father uh, started me off, and then I, um, uh, you know, basically I sort of almost self-taught myself reading different books and so on. And then eventually my all-girls school sent me to the nearby boys' school to, oh, wow. to learn a few things, uh, which, of course, you know, you can imagine teenagers in high school. That's yeah. a bit of a sense. Yeah. But I actually, they thought I'd be way behind, but I was actually, you know, uh, quite advanced compared to the rest of the boys in my class. Mm. And, uh, and I just had a natural bent for it, and I loved it, and I've always loved it. Uh, I'm a very practical person, and um, um, in, you know, in my in my time, and when I was finishing school, girls tended to do science or, or medicine and go into research, and I I just felt 
didn't see myself in a research environment. So I thought engineering was practical. And um, so I decided to study engineering. Mm. And um, uh, uh, the institution that I wanted to go to was the leading institution in the, in the country that I was living in then. And it was highly competitive to get in. In fact, half a million sat the entrance test. Oh my gosh! And they were uh, uh, yes for for about two thousand places. Very very competitive. Wow! And in fact, there were coaching classes which I didn't know about because I didn't know anyone who was who was going. You know, it was all boys, and I didn't know any of them. Mm. Anyway, I I I, uh, I did. Um, did the entrance test and uh, I did very well. I came in thirty uh, eighth, which was amazing. Gosh, so out I, of half a million. Uh, yeah, so and I, uh, I got my choice, with, uh, you know, uh, chemical engineering, which was the, the top choice at the time, and uh, so I was in this very amazing class of very brilliant people. <laughs> I didn't yeah. feel that brilliant. I can tell you, they were so yeah. clever. And it was very competitive, uh, but also very, you know, enjoyable, intellectually enjoyable and challenging going through that first degree. Um, so that's where it all began. How was the transition from kind of being almost homeschooled and encouraged by your father in mathematics and then jumping to an all boys school? Uh, yeah, so for school, I just went just for the maths, and the rest of it, I was in the, you know, I was in a normal school. It's just that my dad oh, tutored okay. me in mathematics at home, uh, but I, I had the rest of the normal school life. But was it not a shock to your system to be surrounded by all of those boys, or did you not notice? I actually, I, 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 I it didn't phase me. I knew it was something different, but uh, I. I you know, I, I I just took it in my stride, and I guess I have done that all my life. I've been sort of a bit of a groundbreaker and pioneer in many ways, and uh, it's never bothered me. I, I just I'm very focused on you know on what I'm there to do, my objective or whatever, and that the rest of it didn't bother me. I didn't, uh, you know, I I didn't feel intimidated or I didn't feel shy or whatever. I just you know I. Everyone else made a big fuss about it, but I, I wasn't fussed about it at all. And what age were you, just to put it in context? Oh, I was a teenager. I was 15 or 16. Usually that's the kind of age where um, we become extremely self-conscious about being female. Yeah, so I, I yeah, so this was maybe, I, I was an only child, so I, I don't know what it was. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't phased, and I, no one said, to me and my family, girls don't do engineering, you know. Right. So I, I, it was a shock, in fact, when I went to university um, and, uh, uh, you know, I discovered that there were only 20 women students and 2,000 male students. And the women students were all, most of them were doing postgraduate study. There were only eight of us doing the undergraduate engineering program. Yeah. So, you know, we were, so the bulk of the boys were, were all in the undergraduate program, and we were eight of us mm. uh, in different years, and I was the only girl in my class. Uh, so, so that's when the, it, it it was a shock, uh, and also I had to live on campus, and uh, uh, although it was in the same city where I'd grown up, uh, it was very different. Most of the girls uh, didn't speak English as a first language. 
there were foods that I'd never seen before. It was <laughs> the food, was, even though I was in the same city. And um, yeah, so that probably was harder to get used to than anything else. Mm. Um, but but again, I think I was very um, very focused in in what I was there. I enjoyed what I was doing, the intellectual challenge, and, and I did get involved in other you know social and other activities. So uh, you know, I again, I just sort of took it in my stride, and I'm I'm not sure why. I've never sort of reflected on it uh, too much mm. uh, so I guess I was okay <laughs> yeah um so how did you cope with going from being a very sort of like exceptionally gifted student to then being thrust into an environment where everybody was exceptionally gifted yeah so that was you know that I think was you know very challenging and uh, uh, as I said, it was it was it was intellectually stimulating as well, mm. um, and uh, and it was hard work, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I got st- I got it took me a while actually to to uh, you know find my team, if you like, because it, they had to be boys, right? They, it was an all male, and they were a bit, you know, so uh, you know, didn't know how whether I would be able to cope or whatever, but. Uh, once I sort of got to working in a in a group that you know it got a lot easier and in fact i uh, I sort of led the class so many of my classmates now say that you know I pushed them uh, to to do better than they would have because they were trying to keep up with me and so right. uh, i I routinely did um, you know we were given uh, seven questions and went to any five for all the uh, assessments. And I routinely did all seven in the time allowed. Right. And uh, it was the same in school. I, you know, I would uh, just do all the questions and, you know, the teachers would uh, often put a question specially to challenge me, you know, like mm-hmm. if no one else could do it, I'd do it anyway. And so at university, I would do, so, you know, I was getting like 140 out of 100. And if I missed a question, all right. So uh, I was just saying. So the the lecturers uh, would actually uh, sit down with me if I missed a question and say, uh, you know, what happened? You know, <laughs> did you not? Uh, did we not explain this well yeah. enough for you? You know, how come you didn't get it? And you know, like they would almost apologize to me. Yeah. And one of my lecturers was a young, uh, was very young. He just finished his PhD in the UK and um, uh, he'd come back to teach and uh, he eventually became the dean of the university and I kept in touch with him all these years he's now retired and he said that that year that class was the best he never had the better class I think he he said he enjoyed it so much (laughs) Uh, the challenge and I I had my little trick on the boys in my class I was um, I could never stay up at night I even now sleep early and I would try to you know stay up late and put my light on and I would invariably fall asleep <laughs> and the boys before a big exam would you know do these all-nighters yeah they wanted a break let's go and check see what she's doing in in the, in the women's in a hostel where to stay in 
on campus. So they would walk by and they would see my light on and they would run back. Say, oh, my God, she's studying, you know. And they would rush back and get their books and arrive all bleary-eyed. And they say, were you studying all night? And I said, no, I was sleeping with the light on. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, you sound, you sound like you were setting the bar. You know, you were setting the bar really high for the standards there. Yeah, so, so, well, yeah but I didn't know I was doing that. You know, I, I, just, I just enjoyed it uh, very much. I, and I think that this is the secret to success, to find what you love. Yes. I think Steve Jobs said this in a famous, uh, well-known commencement speech. Mm. And if you find what you love and you're fortunate enough to find it, yeah, really, you just, you know, you have the energy and the passion uh, to do almost impossible things, you know, things that even you yourself wouldn't think was possible to yeah. do. Yeah. And, and I'm, I just count myself very lucky that I... I found something that I really loved doing. And so it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel, you know, like onerous that I was spending so many hours. I just I just enjoyed that. Really genuinely enjoyed it. And even now, after so many years, I look back on it very fondly. And also today, you know, I got an email from someone today saying, don't you ever sleep? <laughs> because I sent them a document uh, that, they were supposed to write, and I just couldn't wait any longer. So I wrote it, and I actually wrote it in the airport waiting for a flight. I had some time, so I sat down and just wrote it and sent it. And they came back saying, we just few typos, but don't you ever sleep? Yeah. But the point is you find, you find this energy mm. sort of, uh, if you have the passion. And, yeah. and somehow... Uh, you know, your mind also aligns to get things done and so on. So I think that's very important to find what you love and then it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. I mean, you sound incredibly self-driven. Is that something that is uh, nature or nurture? Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, my I, I think it's probably nature. Uh, I'm not competitive, but I am... Uh, I am driven by objectives. You know, I, I like to get things done. I like to achieve things. Mm. Uh, but uh, my parents weren't both were not like that. So I can't say that you know it was that they drove me to to achieve. In fact, it was the opposite. My mother, in fact, was always telling me to get my nose out of a book and <laughs> things like that. You know, um, and um, why? So. Well, because I think she found it hard to cope with a girl who was so, you know, into studying and reading and so on. And, but for me, reading, I would, it was my whole world, you know, I would escape into it. I was an only child, so I sort of lived in my imagination. <laughs> and, and books were something that, you know, I, I just loved. And um, I uh, come from, uh, you know, a place where I've got an ancestral home which is 400 years old and uh, oh, wow. we would go home for holidays and uh, all my grandfather's books, my grandfather was a barrister, uh, all his wonderful books were there in the library and I think I'm the only one of his grandchildren that has read all those books and I would just devour them oh, wow. and uh, 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 and it was in a remote place where there was no electricity when I was growing up. 
So I, so I would read, 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 read till sunset, you know, and the, there was no light left. And then there was nothing to do except sit in the dark, you know, there was no TV. And, uh, but, you know, this, I would sort of think about what these, you know, what I'd read and, you know, they were all the classics and so on. And it, it was really transformational. When I first went to London, I felt I was like, it seemed so familiar because I'd read all these books. Oh, this is what a daffodil is. I've never seen a daffodil. I remember I was thrilled to see one, you know. So, having read Wordsworth and so on. So, yeah, so I, I think I was, with all that, I was sort of in a different world. And perhaps that's why all the challenges that I faced and so on didn't didn't phase me because I was, you know, I was sort of... So open-minded. Uh, yeah, I was open-minded, and I and I and I knew that there was a whole world out there, you know, and I couldn't wait to get out there mm. um, uh, because I'd seen this, you know, through. So I'm surprised that with the devouring of all of that information on humanities, that you ended up in something so logical and rational and methodical. Yeah, I I, I don't I can't uh, I can't explain why. Uh, I, I just think you know the magic of chemistry and you know the beauty of the periodic table yeah. and you know nature and its elements and you know the structure of the atom and how you know you can predict the next one and next one and you know just from the structure of the atom and uh, you know the atomic number and so it's chemistry is so beautiful nature is so beautiful yeah that um, that that fascination has never left me mm. and. Uh, and um, so, you know, I think that, you know, I'd like to know how things work. I'd like to, uh, you know, find solutions to problems. Yeah. And uh, I think all that reading has also enabled me to be quite a, to write, you know, and communicate about very complex matters. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I enjoy writing. Yeah, I, I, I can churn out thousands of words very easily on 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 mundane topics, but my own self-image is that I'm not very artistic, like I can't draw a line, and if you ask me to write a novel, I'd probably say, no, I can't do that, though if I put my mind to it, I probably could, it's just my mindset mm. is different, so my mindset was not in the humanities, and yeah. uh, in, in terms of those kinds of creative pursuits, it was a different kind of creative pursuit, which was engineering, which is enormously creative. Yes. People don't realize how creative engineering is. And in my garage, I have reports and studies that I've worked on and I've kept copies saying maybe you know, this will be useful sometime in the future. Mm. And I've actually never reopened them because every time I'm doing something new. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep hanging on to all these documents, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, just for the historical stuff that I've that I worked on these projects, but in fact, engineering is so creative that you keep doing new things all the time, and and that again, I think, adds to the enjoyment and uh, a sense of achievement that you get. Mm. I mean, you sound like a true polymath, um, and I'm <laughs> always in wonder and awe of polymaths because you know fundamentally I feel like they are just trying to connect the dots 
And, uh, yes. you know, they're, they're accumulating so many dots, you know, just absorbing so much information and observing so much about the world around them. And um, the joining of the dots is the very sort of methodical uh, process of just trying to really get to the root of truth of our existence in this world. Um, and so... Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, possibly. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I'm in awe of that because, um, you know, often people who are as bright as you um, can be troubled because they don't know which direction to go in because they have skills in so many kind of almost conflicting areas. Um, yes. you, know, you sound very creative, yet extremely mathematical. Um, so how did you know that the path that you chose was the right one for you, given that you could have chosen so many different paths? Well, I didn't think too much about it. I just said, this is it for me, and I, that's what I went for. And in fact, uh, I, I will tell you a little story about that, about how uh, driven I was to go on this particular path of chemical engineering. So I do this entrance test. And I didn't know there was coaching classes. I, no one told me it's very hard. I mean, I just did it. Um, and, uh, and I thought I did all right. You get a sense when you do a test, you know, whether you've gone all right or not. And I thought it was fine. Anyway, the results came out. And my mother said, do you want me to come with you to have a look at the results? And I said, no, no, I'll, I'll go and have a look. And it, the results were put up in, um, uh, in some building somewhere down in the city anyway I went there and had a look and my name wasn't there I was absolutely <gasps> devastated oh. and I remember I, I didn't even take the bus home I walked home oh. and I was crying all the way home you know red face all and you know mm. and my mother was what happened and I said oh, I didn't get in and I, and I cried and cried for three days and my parents were beside themselves, and they tried. They said, "You can go somewhere else. You can do something else." You know, and I, I was inconsolable. And I hadn't been. You know, I'm a very steady sort of person. To see me like that really shook them up. Mm. They didn't know what to do. And um, three days later, let uh, three days later, a letter arrived. It um, calling me for the interview. It turned out that I was 38, and and the reason my name wasn't there was they list, put it on a full scap sheet. And my name was the last on the full scap sheet and had got cut wiped off. in the copying process. Yeah, that somehow got cut off. And that's why my name wasn't oh there. So gosh. I was on the first page, the last, last name. <sighs> but it just shows you uh, how driven I was. Yeah. I, you know, I just didn't think of anything else. So uh, for me, um, um, you know, I, 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 I try to succeed, and if I fail, I'll try again. I've got enormous tenacity. It's not like I get through everything first time, mm. but I really have an ability to hang in there mm. uh, despite all the, all the you know, barriers and problems. And as a, as a woman engineer, you, you face a lot, and I still face a lot of barriers. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, I think you, you've just got to have a very strong sense of who you are and where you want to go and what you want to do and not, not let yourself be deviated from it by 
by others' views. And in fact, yes. I have a strategy to reject. I don't define myself by what others think of me. If they don't appreciate what I'm doing, then I feel they've got the problem, not me, because they're missing out on something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that right there is so difficult to master. Because you know, yeah. we are living in a world where other people's opinions do influence us. I mean, particularly in this day and age of social media, where we post things hoping to get likes and followers and an audience. So things are, not, are yes. getting worse in that respect of um, needing validation from the outside world. You know, how do you have any suggestions in developing that sense of self? Yeah, I, th I think you you just have to have a, a uh, you have to surround yourself firstly with people who love you and believe in you mm. uh, and who are important to you. And they don't have to be a lot of people. It can be one or two people. You know, you know, they they don't have to be many, but they've got to be special. They might be your friends, or they might, you know, be your 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 family or your immediate family, your parents or whatever. Mm. Um, and and you've got to be very uh, good at, uh, you know, not not taking on board what everybody says because if you do, you will. You, Anybody, even if it's not social media, anyone would be blown hither and thither in the wind yeah. if if you went by other people's opinions. Because not you can't please everyone all the time, mm. you know, and you'll kill yourself if you try to do it. So just don't bother, you know. And if if people uh, don't like you, well, there's a you know thousand more who will like you. You don't have to be liked by everybody mm. either. And, you know, so, and I find that I'm routinely underestimated because I'm a rather small person. And people look at me, they, you know, see a, a woman of color, you know, uh, you know, small stature, and they underestimate me. Mm. And uh, I just, when they do that, I just think to myself how silly they are <laughs> because they're missing an opportunity, you know, yeah. it doesn't intimidate me. And I set to prove, set out to prove them wrong. So uh, I feel sorry for them. Have you always been like that, or did you? I had to, I had to work at it. I had to work at it, and it came, it came over time. It came with, you know, um, uh, with some, uh, you know, effort, and it came because I'm tenacious. So you know, if I'm rejected, I go back and I work on it, build relationships with people, and over and over again, people who have. Uh, you know, um, not considered thought much of me at the start. You know, have become great allies and advocates. Uh, you know, uh, uh, after a short period of time, mm. and so having done that over and over again, I now it's almost like an exercise. You know, it's almost like a little dance when you meet somebody and you see them. You see it in their eyes. You see them sizing you up. Yeah, and and you say, okay, here it goes. You know, here. It yeah, and and then and then they behave in a certain way, and you're sort of expecting it. So yeah. you say, okay. Do you not find it exhausting? It is. It is exhausting. But what can you do? You know. And if you've got some objective, you just gotta you just gotta get on with it. Mm. But yeah, sometimes I feel like um, like uh, Horatio at the bridge. You know, fighting each one one at a time. <laughs> but uh, this is this is 
so wasteful. I mean, if you know, they talk about diversity and and the you know the business case for it and the innovation case and the importance of diversity, mm. you know, in so many areas. Yeah. And yet you have the stupidity of people with their own un, un, usually unconscious bias. These are not bad people. They just have a bias that some of them not even aware of. Absolutely. And they act it out, and they're just missing. They're missing, uh, you know, huge opportunities. Mm. And sometimes they realize this afterwards. They realize, you know, when you've made a big contribution that they weren't expecting at all, uh, they they become your big allies. Mm. But you've had to go through that process of proving to get there. It takes time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you do get, you know, never perfect. You do get into a funk as one of my friends, I have a, I have a few close friends who are sort of in the same boat, and and she was saying, you know, every now and then you feel so down, you you, you know, and, but you need you need these friends who are in the same boat to pick you up. Yeah. To say, oh, you know, don't worry about it, get over yourself, and 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 then next day you're on again, off you go. But it's it is it is time consuming and it takes so much energy, and I would rather use that energy to do something positive in the world. You know, I often say I've only used my ability in my little finger and uh, the work that I do, I could do blindfolded. You know, it's not doesn't challenge me at all. Mm. I can just do it in my sleep. But the rest of my energy is spent doing all the rest of this stuff, you know, trying to convince people right. to, to, to give me a goal. You know, I'm so glad that you are saying that because... I think a lot of women actually get stuck um, and exhausted and depleted at having to fight and prove themselves even more than their peers, um, maybe because they're women in STEM or women of color or whatever it is. When you're in a minority or you're in, uh, you know, you're, your class is diverse, um, we have to fight so much harder. And I think sometimes the energy required for that fight can often have women dropping out. And so hearing you say the fight is part of it and you've just got to get through it because you just do, um, is what helps to keep women going. Yeah, it's, it's the process. So basically, if you know that, you know, it's a process, as I said, it's a game or a dance. Mm-hmm. And there are all these steps, and you've you you know you you've probably done it you know a few times, and you recognize it for what it is, you know, and uh, and so you go through the motions, you go through the steps, and then uh, you you sort of know, right? I'm here at stage one, stage two, and then you know you can almost see when you cut through, yeah, as yeah. well. So uh, and uh, so you just gotta. It's and it's a skill. It's a skill like any any other that you've got. Unfortunately, got to learn. And hopefully, as we get more women in STEM in the workplace, it'll get easier. Yeah. You know, you, you don't face as many barriers. And and I've seen that. I've seen that with with a lot of younger women. You know how easily, you know they 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 breeze through things because uh, you know they, they have a larger cohort. They're not the only woman. Yeah. So it is getting better, and it's not that you know. uh, And I'm hoping that it will keep getting better. 
um, but it's uh, you're right that there is a huge dropout rate and this loss we can't afford the loss of engineers male or female yeah and particularly female we because we have few enough studying engineering mm. we can't afford to lose them uh, you know in the workplace but certainly uh, this is happening in in huge numbers either women uh, in particularly in developed countries um, you know they have tough workplaces so they leave mm. and in many other countries like you know in the middle east for example we have more than 50% of the engineering students are women in some countries quite extraordinary Gosh. like malaysia and wow but when it comes to getting jobs they cannot get jobs in the private sector so they work and and uh, and are therefore not as challenged as they could be and they don't you know get the opportunities to rise uh, uh quickly to senior positions mm. so they are very much underutilized yeah uh even though they've got the skills and the capacity so it's a different kind of problem mm. uh but certainly one way or another women are are leaving in large numbers and we can't afford that the world can't afford that. yeah i mean often the reasons for women dropping out can be very personal and it's you know often driven by inner conflict um more than what they're being subjected to in the workplace. And what I mean by that is, you know, by definition, when you are in um, STEM industries and you have that kind of STEM uh, education, you do tend to be quite a perfectionist and you tend Mm -hmm. to think in a very binary way. And so when it comes to the, like almost the, the fuzzy nature of dealing with others' opinions and dealing with stereotypes and cultural differences, uh, it's challenging for binary thinkers to navigate that. Yeah, I suppose so. And and I think, um, yeah, I think the fact that we're perfectionists and also I think balancing uh you know as women we have so many roles in family and work and so on yes and as and that perfectionism uh, kicks in at home you know we want everything to be perfect you know homes to be perfect yeah. perfect children and i've said to women you can't you know you can't have it all at the same time mm. you can have it all but you know part, part of the time and if you've had you know if you've had a family take the time and enjoy those children you know because they're not going to be around for a long time you know a lifetime we're living longer and longer if you look at you know if somebody is going to be uh, you know live for 80 years or 100 years you know just 15 years or 10 or 15 years with with children is not a long time and so uh, you're much better off not being conflicted and 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 giving it a go you know giving it all you got doing the best you can in in each role and similarly you know uh, being a daughter being a mother i think it's really important because that feeds into who you are and builds that balance and builds that resilience i think that strength mm. uh, uh and then actually empowers you to do better uh you know in other spheres in in work so don't define yourself just by your work but because you're a whole person 
and so you need to uh, you know take on and 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 really embrace all the roles as a woman you know it's a special thing to be a woman and you know you, i think we should uh, you know celebrate that in all its aspects yeah i mean developing the professional side of being a woman requires a lot of effort in a certain professional direction and that can be a very different part of your brain compared to balancing motherhood and you know relationships how have you coped with that well i have to say that i was the dance of the mothers club so just <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh you know you sort of said oh i'm i'm so brilliant i i mean i don't think i'm that brilliant but you know so I, and i think it's healthy to be the dance of something <laughs> i do yoga regularly and i'm the dance of the yoga class as well <laughs> and I, i quite enjoy that position of being you know class you know at something it's less pressurized it's good for the soul and it makes you sort of human my yoga class mates love me <laughs> i mean and they they are amazed you know when i quietly tell them what i do they're absolutely fascinated so they my my yoga class loves me and and they for a long time didn't know what i did and they're absolutely fascinated and they ask me from time to time but i generally never talk about it i just go you know very quietly stand at the back of the class and do my thing of happy yoga <laughs> and that's good for me and in same with the mothers i i must say that i struggled with motherhood for the very uh, reasons that you mentioned you know i was used to getting things done i was mm-hmm. rational and i just found it very hard to cope with the disorganized day and yeah and you know all chaos that, all that goes with it. yeah yeah i, I found yeah. it hard to cope with it but i uh, i i learned learned to live with it and i uh, and i learned to love it actually mm. and um, and uh, i actually for a few years um, you know work took a back seat i did continue to work but not you know full time and i just spent time with my children and i'm so glad that i did and 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 with my my you know my mother my you know my mother aging spent time and my in-laws and I, that was very important you know it sort of feeds the soul yeah and you know work yeah. 9 to 5 is not everything mm. and uh, and you know I, i i'm so glad that i spent that time with my children because now they're grown and you know i sort of crave you know moments with them i have very little time with them uh, and uh, but at least i had had that time and uh, yeah i have friends uh from like when my children were in primary school very close friends who still continue we still get together and live vicariously through our children's exploits <laughs> uh, but again they know they um, they sort of know my work but they don't understand it they're not engineers and and that's fine with me you know and i do also things with them you know go for movies and you know we go for girls nights out together and that's good for the soul mm. you know and, and 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 it's another part of you that that you're keeping going yeah. you know so it's, it's you don't you don't have to be everything all the time how have you coped with 
other women not understanding you? Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's sometimes, I mean, they have no idea. Sometimes I show them something and they just don't understand mm. it. And I try to explain it to them. But, you know, it, it's okay. And so, you know, we ha- I have a close group of friends. One of them is a very good cook. And, and when we get together, I call her the boss, you know, even when, <laughs> you know, we, we sort of uh, meet uh, regularly at each other's homes. But if, even if it's at my home, what are we going to, what are we going to bring? What are we going to cook? And I say, ask the boss you know and she loves being the boss and it's a very good relationship you know and but if we have to go anywhere I'm the one logically who can figure out where to go how to drive you know book plane tickets all these sorts of things I can do yeah uh, so so we sort of delegate to each other and it's a very you know we all got little strengths and little weaknesses and we you know uh, uh, complement each other, and I think having the, having good friends who are non-judgmental, who take you for who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, accept you, not like you know, like family is the same. Coupled with the idea of having a very strong sense of self, and it actually builds that strong sense of self. So you were asking, how come then I'm able to reject people? You know, they've got some ideas. It's because of these other dimensions, I think, that gives you that strength because it's, you know, it's it's like a rope, you know, with different strands mm. that uh, that are woven together and make you strong. And so I, I know that, you know, I, you know, that I'm validated as a person in different contexts by different people. Mm. And so if in one particular context someone rejects me, so um, and 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 then uh, not accepting it then gives you the resilience to bounce back and address that person and and uh, say you know address that person's issues and say okay how can we you know how can we work together mm. you know not directly of course but you know indirectly and it takes time but you do get there and I have to say that some of you know people that rejected me. Um, hardest have become my greatest friends and allies one of the things about you is that you have a very healthy relationship with failure yes I think that that's true you've got to learn from failure and um, uh, I I think that very early on I I um, uh, I, you know had had a particular failure and I was absolutely devastated by it and uh, I think because I was introspective as a young person, you know, with all the books I read and so forth. So I sort of struggled and thought about it. I remember walking, you know, a lot and thinking about it and thinking, I've got to get over this and learn from this and, you know, get the best out of it. I remember talking to myself, trying to do that. And, um, uh, and, and, and I did. And so now if I have a setback, mm. I sort of, I take it as an opportunity to learn from it, to learn what you know what I didn't, uh, what I didn't do well or whatever. You know, learn from it. You know, of course you you feel bad, you you indulge all those feelings, but then after that, try to get something positive out of it and rise above it. And then it doesn't become a failure; it just becomes something that that you learned from a learning experience that takes you. Mm. And makes you a better person. Yeah, I mean, with all these podcast interviews that I'm conducting, um, every woman comes from 
a certain type of childhood and you know not everyone that has experienced difficulties and challenges have um suffered from it and the conclusion that i'm drawing from speaking to so many women is that it's all about attitude it's not about what you've been through and whether someone's situation was worse than somebody else's. It's about your attitude towards what you've been through that counts. Absolutely. And you've, you've, you know, you have people who've been, um, you know, in, in war zones, who've been refugees yeah, and they escaped to a country and they're just looking for that opportunity. And these are the people who build things, who, you know, become innovators, who become entrepreneurs. You know, they do the most amazing things because they've got that resilience. And so they don't allow that harsh uh, background and environment to affect them adversely. And and this is a wonderful thing about the human condition that, you know, the power to 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 heal is within yourself. You know, it's all within yourself. You don't have to rely on someone else. This is another reason why you don't need to rely on other people's opinions, mm. because all the power is in, within yourself. And um, uh, and uh, you know, you it, where you can go and where you take yourself is within your own power. So I think this is this is a very important uh, idea for young people in particular to think about, because you have so much. Uh, you know the social media pressures, and you have so much uh, depression mm. and anxiety and uh, eat, eating disorders because people are trying to, um, you know, they're trying to keep up with an image. And in fact, nobody has that real image. You know, all the images on Instagram, all yeah. Photoshop, touched up. So it's crazy. It's a crazy. Situation. Yeah, we're trying to reach really unrealistic standards. It's totally, yeah. totally unrealistic. Mm. And you see, people can't have a meal where they, you know, they need to take a photograph. Look what I'm eating. And yes, uh, yeah, you know, like we 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 so busy trying to get other people to see what we're doing, we forget about enjoying things ourselves, you know, and, and getting the most out of it. And if you're out with friends, you know, talk to them. Don't look at your mobile phone. <laughs> Switch your phone off. So we are living in a society where we are uh, becoming increasingly um, obsessed with what other people think of us. But right at the start of this recording, you talked about the influence that your father had on you. I also feel the same. My father's an engineer. And there was always this real yearning to um, get the recognition of my father. Yes. And it's a pattern that has, you know, followed me throughout life. It's as a female, sometimes I feel like I need that sort of like male approval. Um, yeah. And it can be pretty tough for a woman to not feel in that kind of subordinate role. Yeah. What's your perspective on that? I'm I'm hesitating because I know that there are all there are different kinds of um, women out there, different sexualities, different you know slants and perspectives. But generally, I think uh, you know 
broad sweeping statement is that women do tend to feel slightly weaker as a gender because you know even just in physicality males are bigger and stronger yeah i suppose you know possibly it's a biological thing maybe it's hardwired into into our into our brain but i think that today in in the modern world i think women are really uh, and we we have so many role models as leaders i think women are getting more a sense of their independence mm. and that you know a man, you know like a man is not a plan so to speak you know <laughs> in terms of your economic future mm. and, and many women are increasingly economically independent you know career minded and so mm. on and and then choosing you know choosing their relationships uh, and i find that young women are possibly uh, uh, more are better placed in in many ways in finding their way in the world compared to young men i think young men are probably more confused because they've lost their their position and status yeah. as breadwinner and head of the yeah. family and all that no longer applies they've got to work at it it's also on an equal footing if there's a relationship and um, so i think from that uh, perspective many of those myths have been busted and and, uh, and you know so young girls do have an opportunity to grow up with a sense of but having said that i think the media propagates some stereotypes so the pinks and the blues mm. and what not you know start as you know babies and very quickly uh, young children get segregated with their toys girls with their dolls and boys with their cars and so on so these stereotypes brought up and even just the objectification of women as well and 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 even you know the idea of you know the fact that you Uh, you know the the body consciousness and you know the beauty consciousness and so on so uh, i i think the media has a lot to say about this and uh, and popular culture but it doesn't have to be that way and i think increasingly uh, you know a lot of women are looking at 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 a more independent lifestyle and uh, and and they they have they're able to do it in, in mainly in the west of course as i mentioned previously in the middle east and you know some countries there's still a lot of controls on women they have to seek permission from the male head of the family and so on so so it's not uh, you know it's not equal everywhere uh, but we're getting there i think uh, you know slowly the world is changing and certainly a recognition of the need for change even if there has Yeah, I mean one of the things you know this podcast is for women in STEM but I actually want more men to listen to it because I feel like men do have a tough time in expressing their true selves. I mean there's always this pr- pressure to um behave with bravado and not really um be honest about what they're Yeah, there's an expectation yeah. of there there's a natural the thing is there's a natural expectation of men and there's there's lesser expectation of women in most cases so men struggle to live up to that yeah as a result of that women are actually finding very fertile ground to be able to rise up and be strong as women um but but yes. one question i really was uh 
burning to sort of ask you earlier is with women pursuing an education uh, in STEM or otherwise, and uh, as a result, a career, when should we be thinking about motherhood? Because, you know, for me, it's always been such a conundrum as to when you fit motherhood in. You know, is it before you study? Is it after? Like, it's so difficult sort of coordinating with the biological clock. I I agree. And uh, I have to say that I struggled with this as well. And uh, uh, so... I, I actually, you know, I, I, because I enjoyed my work and I, I didn't want to stop, you know, I was, and the biological clock was mm. ticking. And there's never a good time. Right. And so I just thought, okay, you know, there's never a good time. So we just jump in the deep end and see what mm. happens. And that's what I right. did. And uh, I think that, you know, uh, for some, you know, they have children really young before their career takes off and then there's no break afterwards yeah. you know because they had their children uh, and for uh, and it, but it's hard because they have them at a time when they don't have much money and so on. Uh, uh, for others they they do it later in life when they are much more established but then they have more of a juggle because they have you know they have more to give up in terms of their career and they find that difficult. Mm, and there's a risk that you may not actually be able to fit it in because you've left it so late. Yeah, so so it, it's uh, there's no easy answer. I think you've just got to do what works for you, and and you've got to you know in in terms of you know how, um, how you uh, you know whether you go back to work or whether you take time off. Again, there's no I don't think there's any fixed answer. You've just got to do what works for you, what works for you, and what feels good for you and for your family and your partner. I think that's that's critical. So I think you shouldn't rely on what other people think or what other people tell you. Just do, you know, what's in your heart and what you think is the right thing to do. Mm. Because then that will always feel good and always feel right. Uh, Because as I said, it's not easy, whichever way. Uh, I I always refer to, you know, particularly the first five years of child raising is like, Doing your undergraduate degree, it's really hell, oh, you know, gosh. when you're going through it, it's very tough. Yeah. But you're glad you did it. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, uh, so, so I, you know, it's a bit like that, but the, the rewards are, are plenty yeah. and uh, probably be the best thing that you ever did in your life. Yeah. So, you know, don't put it off too long. So, for a woman who is extremely capable, trailblazing, pioneering, what kind of partner fits a woman like that who is so kind of self-sufficient? Uh, well, I think my partner, he's, first of all, a very, uh, uh, he, he is very self-confident and not threatened by me. I think this is very mm. important. Because many men they have fragile egos and feel threatened. Yeah. And he actually uh, revels in the fact that, you know, that I'm, you know, he, he's also, he's very capable. That we are intellectual equals, and I can take him on. And I'm one of the few people that can take him on and argue or say, you know, whatever. Mm. And uh, and so in that sense, it's a it's a very equal partnership. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and I, I think that's very for me. That was also very important. Mm. Uh, it, it's 
if if a man has a fragile ego, it can get very wearing. You know, you, you, sort of, you don't want to sort of diminish yourself just to fit in under somebody else's ego. So you know, so I think that for me was important. Yeah. And um, on that, and and I think there's this tremendous value in that whole, you know, you know being able to talk about all sorts of topics and you know, politics and you know, economics. It's not just any technical stuff. But you can talk about all sorts of things and, and you know, read all kinds of books and canvas all kinds of ideas. And that I find endlessly interesting. Mm. Oh, I wish I could talk to you for hours. So much um, <laughs> to learn from you. But in closing, uh, for any women who are considering a career in STEM and uh, you know are struggling with it because it's not the easiest, uh, what advice would you give? Well, I would say that if you like science, are curious about the world, uh, then you couldn't, you know, that's the best career that you could choose. It's endlessly fascinating. It's a career of the future. You'll never be out of a job. It's well-paying and it's always going to be very interesting. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it because you can. Wise words to end on. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you and uh, thank you so much for all the inspiration and motivation. I feel like I've really uh, straightened out a few sort of like fuzzy logics in my head as a result of hearing from you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Uh, I feel so empowered having uh, listened to my guests. What an incredible woman. And you can hear the impressiveness of her character. And that's without any of the details of her CV, which is just uh, magnificent um, on its own. Uh, A fantastic episode this week. Thank you all for listening. Please do subscribe to Silence and don't forget to rate and review. Catch you next week.